and welcome to the So She Travels podcast. I'm your host, Vicky Flipflop, here to interview today's most vibrant female travellers about the why, where and how of their travels. We're here to inspire you to see our world, to discuss the issues us women face travelling and to talk about a few of the more interesting ways you can do it. Each week we'll have a destination and a few topics and discuss. Join in the conversation on the hashtag So She Travels. Don't forget to press subscribe, and if you enjoy the podcast, please leave a rating and a review. Spread the word. It seems fitting to launch my new podcast, So She Travels, with one of my most influential travel inspirations. Nowadays, I'm a full-time travel blogger at VickiFlipFlopTravels.com, but back in March 2011, when I first heard of my opening guest, Jane Gorman, I was a new content manager at Hostel Bookers, with no idea what this whole travel blogging world will become, or my place in it. I found Jane online, somehow, and her awesome travel blog. The fact she had a blog, as well as a super cool job which allowed her to travel, placed her firmly up on a pedestal for me. I wanted her life. Somehow, through various events in London, press trips and online chats, we became great friends. She's had an eclectic few years travelling around the world, mostly from Oz to the UK, so I wanted to chat to her about moving abroad, her expat life in Australia, working in the travel industry and her top tips for travelling solo when you're in a relationship. We recorded this just before Christmas and just before the arrival of her gorgeous new baby, Miles. In her words, named after the Miles he's done in the womb. (laughs) And her husband's great-grandfather. Oh, we also chatted about how she met said husband, Justin. It's definitely a modern love story. Well, pre, pre-Tinder. So, recorded from Miles' nursery, here's Jane to tell us more about why she travels. Hi, Jane. Hi, Vicky. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being my first guest. I'm honoured. Thank you so much for having me. So, we're in the sunny suburbs of Berkshire, uh, your new home as of a few months ago. Yeah. It's a bit different from your life a year this time last year. Can you tell us a bit about where you were at? Oh gosh, um, yeah, this time last year I was living in Melbourne in a very hipster area called Brunswick, um, near lots of trams and vegan cafes. Um, and yes, yeah, so I've, I've completely changed gears this year. Um, come back home to live near friends and family, um, and having a baby in the next couple of weeks. Sounds very different then. Um, so we'll come back to that. So how did your travelling start? When, sort of what age was it that you really started travelling? And what was it that made you decide to get on that plane and go? I think the big trigger for me was, um, I remember being in sixth form and someone coming to our school and doing a talk about their gap year and some of the places they'd been and some of the volunteering they've done. And I was like, yes, like I want to get out there and, and do these things. Um, my mum very wisely recommended that I would go to university first um, to get that degree before I go travelling because I think she could tell that I had this, um, I don't know, loose or one, what you know, wanderlust spirit and she thought if I went travelling I might never return, which sort of is what happened. Um, so basically I went and, and, and got my degree first and then I saved for a year and age 23 finally made that um dream trip country so I took about nine months bought around the world ticket um two different girlfriends from uni joined me and we went to South America um Australia New Zealand Fiji Asia um and and looked back looked back home again and that was the start of everything for me like I came back from that trip and I sort of felt that unless unless I could find a career that allowed me to keep traveling and keep exploring and keep meeting new people and seeing new places, 
that I wouldn't really be satisfied. Um, so my number one, although I, I had studied law and I had a law degree, my number one priority became about finding a career in travel. So how did you go from studying law and then getting a job in travel? Um, I hit all of the jobs, jobs boards, um, you know, the Guardian job ads. And I, I decided to think outside the box because I didn't have, you know, tourism or a hospitality background. I didn't, I didn't have an experience in the travel industry aside from these nine months I just spent traveling. Um, I had to sort of approach it from a different angle. So I um, ended up actually working in a job in events. And that was a combination, I think, of, you know, the organisational skills that I'd, I'd used to get me through my degree and my travel um, and just just talking myself into a role, basically, because this was a big this was a conference company who did international events. And the job said that it would require, you know, international travel at least once a month. And I was like, yes, I want that. Um, and so that was my first um, my, my first job in travel. So it wasn't it wasn't a travel job. It just was a, a, a job in events that that allowed me to travel. So I knew you as a blogger before I knew you as a person when you had your blog uh, 40 before 30. Yeah. And so I can't remember which way around it came, but I either found your blog or found the fact that you worked at Flight Centre in this super exciting social media team. And I remember thinking, I want to do this. I want to have the blog and I, and I want to work for like a forward thinking company in social media. And so I sort of saw you as a bit of like, hmm, Idol might be too strong. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> okay, yeah, we can go with Idol. Inspiration, that's the word I'm looking for. As an inspiration for how I wanted my career to go at the time. Um, because yeah, you were part of the flight centre team. What what year was that? Was that like two thousand nine? Um, no, later eleven. Was oh it? gosh, maybe two thousand and ten. No, yeah, or two thousand and eleven. Something around that time. I started blogging in two thousand and ten whilst I was still working in events. So I think it was the following year. I think I'd been blogging for a year, um, as a hobby, and I was writing about the places that I was visiting as part of my job as an events manager and then I saw the role come up at Flight Centre on Twitter actually they advertised via social media for people that enjoyed travel and social media and because I've been doing that as part of um my my, my job albeit as like a, a side hustle to the events I've started taking on their social media because I was interested in it personally and I've been running a blog as a hobby I, I, I used um, that experience to, to transition into the role at Flight Centre. Right, because you, you started, well, Flight Centre opened those roles and it was really revolutionary at the time, wasn't it? And it wasn't, like, obviously there's so many social media jobs now, yeah. but at the time, companies, I was working for a travel company and we didn't have a social media department. It was, like, a real new thing and then for your... People couldn't believe it was a job. Yeah. I couldn't believe it was a job. <laughs> and then didn't for your first week you went to Australia. Yeah, I did. Yeah. So... Yeah. Um, yeah, so they they hired a, a global a global team of um, um, bloggers and social media specialists to to represent their brands online, um, and I was the UK counterpart. So my first week in the job, I involved flying out to Australia, where I met you know the same person who would be doing my job in Australia, uh, someone from New Zealand, someone from New York, 
some from South Africa. Um, and that was such an exciting time because we knew we were on the cusp of something that was pretty pretty cool. Like like I said, it was it was a dream job for lots of people. You know, the, the job advert said, you know, do you love travel? Do you love social media? Um, we yeah, have, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have the job for you. I was like, yeah, yeah, I do. Like, and someone wants to pay me to do this. Like that that was insane. So, um, yeah, that was. Uh, I think it was a, a really good opportunity for me to um to to improve on the skills that I I just you know blogging was a hobby that I did I did at home so to to then do it for a brand was was quite a steep learning curve but it was a, a great learning experience because suddenly I had to think about blogging as a marketing tool and as part of a wider strategy and I had to think you know I had to write as if I was the brand and think about what was the purpose and what was the message my my personal blog was very much you know funny little stories about things that went wrong mm. blogging for flight center obviously was about stuff that hopefully was far more constructive um and about the people that worked at flight center more than just myself so what other cool stuff did you do in that role and what what exactly was that role was it like social media specialist is that what you're calling um i think this yeah the, i think the first job i went into it, it it was social media specialist I mean, obviously, because it was the start of the strategy, a big part of my job was literally setting like setting up the blog, um, setting up Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I don't think it was around um, in, in the first year or so. Um, and doing that not just for Flight Centre, but for about seven other brands, because they have lots of other mm. brands under their umbrella. So a big part was, yeah, getting those initial channels and strategies off the ground, then running them, then working with bloggers. I, I started a blogger outreach program and got in touch with travel bloggers that I had met at events and getting them to write for us, trying to get some of the travel agents and staff involved and getting and getting them to have a voice on the channels as well. Um and, and it went from from being just just me when um Flight Center first sort of started dabbling in social media till eventually I think we had a team of I'm looking at you, Vicky, because you were on it. <laughs> um, there was about five or six of us um, yeah. doing content, social media, marketing, and, and PR, um, which just shows you that yeah, I think Flight Center took a, took a bit bit of a gamble and got in there early on something that now, like we say, is is, is quite standard for a lot of companies. Yeah, but now then it wasn't. Yeah, now I think like blogger outreach and all the social media, it's such a normal job, and people know what it is. So obviously, it was a few years ago that you got that job, but what what kind of tips do you have for someone who is looking for like a really cool job in travel where they actually get to travel yeah I think it is really about thinking outside the box like there's I mean jobs in the travel industry are very competitive because mm. a lot of people do want to get paid to travel like yeah why, why wouldn't you it's great um but like with my first job in events like the I mean I was the conferences were about five what was it foreign direct investment like they, it was very dry like on 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 the on the surface it's you know it could have sounded like a very boring job but when I looked into the specifics and found out that these conferences were um you know held in conjunction with international governments um you know they're often in sort of you know developing markets um and although day to day I might have been you know networking and, and talking about dry subject matters I was doing that in Johannesburg and mm. China and, and Estonia I could then when I traveled for work I then sort of used my holidays to stay on in those destinations um and see you know 
more of the country when I was there. So I didn't, I wasn't necessarily, you know, being paid to to, to travel as as a travel blogger or writer, yeah, which yeah. is what I eventually <clears> went into. But I had the I had the freedom to to explore. So when Jane left Flight Centre, I actually took over the role. She was content and social media specialist. And then um, I came in to take over the role of Gap Year. Uh, We were friends, but I didn't get the job (laughs) just because we were friends. Um, I did have the substance and skills to back it up. And there were two other people in the room. Yeah, yeah. But I then went in to take over the role. So why, when you left, why, why did you leave? Basically, I'd continued to run my own blog um, along, alongside doing the work for Flight Centre. Um, and having, I think having started in 2010 and, and grown um, an audience quite organically, I was, I was in, a, in, a, in a good place and, and brands sort of started approaching me and I, I was just getting lots of exciting opportunities. Yeah. So not just um, from my blog, but from I you know I used to go to a lot of events and I did a bit of public speaking and brands that knew what I did for Flight Centre were also sort of sniffing around to see if they could get me to come work and do a similar thing for them so not large brands not and not a full-time role these were you know I used to work for an independent travel agency in Clapham for example who um, wanted someone to run their content and social media and that was only you know it would only have been one or two days work per week but when I combined that with a freelance writing inquiry that came in and some of the sponsorship opportunities I got from my blog eventually I could piece enough of these different fun little projects together that um to make a full-time role and a full-time income out of them so it was a scary transition I was aware that I had a great job at flight center um I'd learned a lot there and, and they'd given me you know, a, a, a lot of knowledge about working for a, a large corporate corporation and and using social media and sales and marketing. But my my heart lay with my own blog and my my own content and my own business. Mm. And I guess eventually, you you kind of want to be able to write for yourself rather yeah. than rather than other people. What about uh, the travel opportunities? Because you got to do quite a lot with Flight Centre. Like you went to San Francisco, didn't you? And Google's offices and all sorts of cool things like that. And I presume there was other trips as well. But was having a full-time job uh, like taking up time that could have been for travel? Was that one of the reasons? Yeah, so um, I I did, yeah, I I did get opportunities to travel with Flight Centre, but... um, I always obviously had to balance that out with the work that needed to be done back in the office um and whereas with with my blog I was also getting invited on you know press trips and blog trips and being sort of enticed by these different destinations and I had to say a no to a lot of them because I needed needed to be working so I think that was yeah aside from wanting to write more of my own content and run my own business I probably was also very tempted by those travel opportunities um because again it was you know this was novel this was new like it was for bloggers to get invited on press trips was um you know it wasn't as standard as what it as what it is now Mm. so I kind of felt very privileged and very lucky to be to be considered um for these trips and it yeah it used to sort of break my heart a little bit to say no (laughs) I've run out of holiday leave um so yeah when 
like I said, when I, then the previous sort of freelance work opportunities that I mentioned came up and I realised that I could, could more easily combine those projects with the travel, um, I, I think that was probably what turned my head. I feel like a lot of people, me included, when they do give up their jobs, go on sort of like a little travel binge. Did you do that? Did you go? Oh, I'm quite, I'm quite sure I did. Like, I mean, yeah. my blog was called, yeah, 40 before 30. Um, the concept was that I wanted to visit 40 countries before I was 30. Well, I think I was done by 26. Right. Because <laughs> when I started the blog, it was very much, you know, well, if I'm lucky, I might be able to visit two countries per year based on annual leave and how much I earn. And then Flight Centre came along and then, you know, the blogging took off and suddenly I was, you know, you could, I think at one stage you could have done back-to-back press trips. Yeah, if, that's exactly what I did when I left work. I yeah. just went on about a year of press trips, I think. It Which was. is amazing, but also is not really not really sustainable no, so I think like like most um yeah like most bloggers who first went freelance I I started off by taking saying yes to most trips and then cutting it down and my I used to average sort of one one a month I think is probably the ideal in terms of keeping on top of work yeah so were there um, any um destinations that really wowed you in that time because I guess um sitting in an office and writing about all these destinations and then actually going to them was there anywhere where you thought this is amazing. Yeah, I remember, um, and this was a flight centre project that um, I went to uh, Australia's Northern Territory. Um, and I remember, and it sounds terrible, but I remember being not that excited because I'd been to Australia and I hadn't gone to the outback because it didn't seem like there was much to do. It was quite expensive mm. and I wasn't that interested in a big rock. Which is any Australians hear this, I apologise. But that was my ignorant, you know, age 24, whatever I was at the time, um, my ignorant assessment of Uluru. Um, anyway, luckily, Flight Centre um, didn't know any of this. And they um, basically, we ran a competition and we sent 10 people out to the outback. And I sort of went as a roving reporter and I followed them and I was photographing and blogging and sharing on social media what what the competition winners were up to and also getting to do it myself and my gosh it was just amazing like I've since been back at least two other times to the outback because there's nowhere there's nowhere in this world like it um it's stunning it's beautiful it's sacred um I yeah found the whole experience completely moving I was completely out of my comfort zone um I don't usually camp um wow you camped in the outback yes <laughs> that's <laughs> impressive I, I mean I've fretted about what to pack for this trip for ages it's so far from what I normally do but um yeah we slept in swags which are like sleeping bags with hoods um under the stars and it made me realize that there are yeah there are many things that I perhaps have thought were not very me um but totally brought out a different side of me so I was yeah travel opening your mind yeah yeah and 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 yeah challenging my, challenging my own perception of myself because I was I thought I wasn't that t- that type of person but it turns out two weeks I can be yeah. <laughs> as long as there's a hot shower at the end of it I'm all good <laughs> so you've mentioned Australia which obviously from knowing you the past few years has a special place in your heart yes because yeah. you met a nice Australian on Twitter <laughs> Many a year ago, didn't you? I did. All Tell around, us about all him. Of, all around the same time, actually, that I got the job at job at Flight Centre. So I think, God, social media and Twitter, I've, my life has um, has certainly changed since then. So yeah, um, 
met this man from Australia. Um, we tra we travelled a lot together around Europe and what have you. And then four years ago, decided to go try on his country besides. So we he's from Melbourne, but we moved to Sydney, so it would be new for both of us. And we spent three years in Sydney and one year one year in Melbourne. And I, I loved it. I think it, for me, it was like the ultimate travel experience because um, I always loved going away and escaping and um, trying on different lifestyles for size. And I guess that's what I got to do in Australia for four years is I got to go and, and, and see what it was like to be an Australian. And so what made you decide to go? Was it him or you? Or it was, it was me. I, it was definitely more me that, that, that drove the decision. Um, mainly because we'd been seeing each other for quite a while and I guess there was this sort of responsible part of my brain that thought you know if we continue to be a couple at some point he might want to move back home and I need to know if I can do that with him yeah. or want to do it with him so um, and I was also just intrigued like he had so many stories about his childhood and his country that just was so foreign to me that I was like look I see this I'm gonna go do these things so um lucky because of the work we both do we were able to make that transition and um yeah it was great it was do you think going experience. to australia and having those years there with him made you like understand him better and definitely even if uh, even just from the lingo i can now <laughs> i can now have a conversation and not get lost when you mention things like dunas and ambos um, <laughs> and anything else that ends in an o how's your australian accent well i get i think it's gone now isn't it i i get i get accused of having one um but i think as soon as you come back home you slot into yeah adapt again. again yeah what was it like living in sydney that must have been crazy sydney was amazing um i yeah i think it's the best place i've ever lived um, there's so much to love about the lifestyle and the scenery. Um, it's very far removed from my life here in England, but I like that we kind of um, we we really adapted to the Sydney persona and lifestyle, and we went on coastal walks and drunk smoothies and um, cooked dinner on the barbecue every night. And that's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> so Australian. It was so Australian, and um, yeah, Sydney. It's re it's a really easy place to live. It's very laid back. Um, but it is, it, it's very, very far away. Um, and I know that sounds obvious, but there's just, there's certain times of year, um, when certain things are happening back home, you feel that, you feel that distance more than others. Um, and even in terms of sort of news and the media cycle, um, ha having been back home again now, I, I feel, I feel like we were perhaps a little bit cut off from the rest of the world yeah. being out there. And it didn't matter at the time because that wasn't a pri it wasn't a priority for us, and we we were enjoying that Aussie lifestyle. Um, but it's definitely interesting coming back to the UK and realizing, um, I don't know how like what you can do. Yeah, I mean, how politely can I say that it's just a little bit more sort of forward thinking and fast paced in this part of the world. Yeah. Okay. Um, are there any places in Australia that? you would recommend people to go oh so many um gives you top three. Oh my gosh <laughs> i mean there are some beautiful beautiful beaches and coastline just outside of sydney um jarvis bay is about an i think an hour and a half drive from sydney and that has some of the purest um whitest sand in the world um 
and yeah that's a gorgeous place just to go for a weekend break you know, there's lots of like luxury glamping glamp sites um you can go well watching um lots of great hikes um so that's a good one from sydney um going further up the coast into Queensland. I absolutely adore the Whit Sundays. Oh, I've never been there. Oh, they they look like the like the postcard. Yeah. Like if you're into diving, um, sailing, or you know, just visiting, you know, gorgeous, gorgeous beaches, then that whole area is a gold mine. Um, Hamilton Island is a is a really nice place oh, yeah. to, to base to base yourself, and you can do day trips from there to. Um, Whitehaven, which is the famous White Beach, um, and also different parts of the Great Barrier Reef. Um, where else? Well, I guess that was the three. Any more? Or is Hamilton Island in the Whitsunday? Hamilton Island in the Whitsunday. <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> As I say, I, never, I didn't go. No, that's so two. And I guess the third would, would be um, Uluru. And just, oh, right, and yeah. Yeah, going to, the out, going to the outback. and. Yeah, when I was... 22 I think it was I did a tour up in the Northern Territory and I just sort of did it because it was like somewhere people go and then that was it was my favorite thing in Australia I just thought it was so cool because you're just like so far away so remote and it was just amazing I really like long drives so I really liked just driving around Australia is good for long drives (laughs) you can drive for hours in a straight line and not see a single (laughs) other vehicle but yeah all I love all that orange earth and then yeah yeah and then when you do finally arrive somewhere it's like a servo as they call them but like a service station with a pub attached and i'll be like a man with a beard serving you know a semi-hot pie and, <laughs> and it's all you've interesting got interesting chat yeah <laughs> um how was melbourne compared to sydney um do you know what melbourne and a lot of people say this it's 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 quite it's quite european so it's really cool it's got an amazing cafe culture um some great old buildings um but it made me miss home. It was almost too all, similar. Yeah, all the things I loved about Melbourne are the things that I love about London. And so it was just I, I was making too many direct comparisons. Like Sydney, you cannot compare to anywhere in, right. in London. Whereas Melbourne, the climate's a little bit more similar to here. Um, the things you do there, you know, like the the markets, the eateries, um, the cafe culture. It's yeah. It it kind of it made it made me homesick. So mm. I en- I enjoyed it, but it's yeah. It was it was almost too too familiar. So there's lots of people that um go and do their working holiday visas. I never did it. I'm not sure why. I think I would have quite enjoyed it. But my brother did it and went out and did the whole farming to yeah. extend it. Um. So I presume from what you've said, you would recommend. Definitely. So that's how, um, so I initially moved out to Australia on a working holiday visa because not many people realise, but you can be self-employed on that. So the same, they have, the working holiday visa has a rule that you can't work for the same employer for more than six months. So as long as you follow that rule, you can be self-employed. So freelance writers and bloggers, um, you know, web web dev, like, um, yeah, you don't have to go and work in an office or, or oh, okay that's interesting um so yeah that's my little top tip about working <laughs> holiday visas um and yeah I, de- I definitely recommend you do it because um there is there is so much to see in australia and it's it's virtually impossible to do it on a two to three week holiday yeah because the distances are so vast um and it can be so expensive but if you're based out there for a year or two years 
um, you can pace yourself and slowly visit the different states. And, you know, even the three areas I mentioned would be three very, very trips. long trips. Yeah. yeah. So is there anything that you miss about Australia? Like, you seem quite happy to be back in England, but is there anything? I feel like I haven't had time to miss it yet. I think when I... Got, we plan to go back next year, and I think it will all come flooding back to me. Yeah, I guess then you'll remember. You'll be like, oh, I like this. Yeah. I, like this. <laughs> I mean, I do... I miss brunch. I was, like, gonna, I was totally going to say brunch. <laughs> I was going to be like, brunch and the weather. I don't know if it's because I don't live in a city anymore. Like, I think if I was in London, it would be easy to find an Aussie brunch. But yeah. I miss, like, the sheer variety of, you know, no matter where you are in Australia, you will find at least two or three really good brunch spots. Yeah. Um, I do remember food being... Food is good in Australia. It is good. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not cheap. Uh. Um, but it is it is an experience. And it is, yeah, it is more likely to be sort of fresh local produce because, of course, it costs a fortune to import things. Yeah. Um, and really in- innovative, like... Oh, I just, I miss, like, particular dishes. Like, I can picture now, I used to have these hotcakes, like, ricotta hotcakes, and they were, like, Jaffa-themed. So there was orange curd and chocolate sprinkles and maybe a bit of meringue. I mean, they sound weird. <laughs> I don't think. Uh, yeah. A ricotta make, cake with meringue. sound, yeah. Like, it just works. Okay. okay. It okay. looks good and it tastes good and it works. Um and I would often have dessert for breakfast in some such vein. So I miss that. Okay. Um, so you and your Australian man got married. We did. How many years ago was that now? Um, two and a half. Two and a half years? Yes. And you chose to have a destination wedding in Thailand. Yeah. We, we literally looked at almost every destination wedding place in the world. I had a spreadsheet because I was trying to work out where hopefully each of our friends and family could get direct flights that was sort of equidistant and equi-priced. Um, we didn't want to be seen to be favouring one side of the family versus the other. Right. Um, and so I had like a really geeky spreadsheet and I sort of had like Vegas and Greece and Italy and all the places you think of for destination weddings. And eventually, based on our scrupulous um, sort of requirements, we settled on Thailand because it was sort of halfway for each um and what our friends could sort of choose accommodation according to what they could afford yeah yeah it's a good idea i wouldn't say i think some <laughs> people think that a destination wedding is an easier option and i don't know if it's because like i'm high maintenance or demanding but i wouldn't necessarily say it was easier <laughs> right. um i actually found it more stressful because you can't go visit the venue. It must be hard not speaking the language. Yeah, you don't speak the language. There is always a little bit of miscommunication. In fact, there was a lot of miscommunication on the yeah. day at our wedding. Um, and, and things that aren't important and you should let slide. But if you're, if you're a diva bride or you're a bit of a control freak, um, I'd, I'd probably say don't do it. Right, Because okay. um, you, yeah, despite your sort of best laid plans... Um, when there's like so many people down the chain and a bit a lot of distance and a different language between you, it doesn't quite translate. It's quite it's nice though if you're like both from such different places. It's yeah. not like I don't know. It's a, it's a nice idea. What I was guess. wonderful for us is that our friends and family had had never met before. Right. So it was like it was so special to see all of our special people in the same place at the same time. You know, we 
we organised sort of dinners and events throughout the week so that everyone could get to know each other so that by the wedding everybody was sort of the best of friends and we just had like these two long tables and it was just yeah all all of our special people from around the world in one place having chang beers on the beach and right. that was really special um so me and jane went to greece together in when was it a year ago. Three, I think it's two years ago now. But anyway, um, I really, well, I remember us talking about solo travelling, and I love the fact that you still solo travel, even though you're married and you've had a partner for ages, but you still go off and do your own thing. And I think that's something that some people find quite difficult in a relationship, like to feel that they can do that. Yeah, sure. For the relationship, and to feel like they can solo travel by themselves. So have you got anything that you could say to like encourage people who are thinking about it but maybe their partners aren't interested or they can't get the time off work yeah I mean I think for me like I I'm really quite content and really enjoy my own company so I've, I've always done a lot of solo travel and although I'm also really content in my relationship that side of my personality hasn't gone or doesn't change so um although you know some of the work I do is is through work and so I, I have to have to do that alone because you know, Justin has his own job and career, but I also do also go on holiday on my own, mm. um, or or with my friends because yeah, that's it's just something that that I I really enjoy and appreciate. I think it does depend on your relationship. Yeah. Um. You know, when when I met my partner, this is what I did for a living. This is this is who I was. It's it's not like, you know, I I've gone from from someone that's always been at home to to someone that's away a lot now. So yeah. Yeah. I, um, in terms of our relationship, we've never known any different. Yeah. Um, and I think you know you you obviously do have to be good at communication so that you know you're keeping in contact with each other when you're away and the other person isn't worrying. Um, you've got to have good levels of trust, I guess. Yeah. Um. But for me, I think it makes our relationship stronger because I get to do what I love. And yeah, my husband supports me in doing what I love, and that, and I think I'm just I'm a better person when I'm back home because of it. Yeah. Because I come home and I have lots of stories that I want to share and lots of things to talk about, and and I really appreciate the time we spend together because yeah. obviously we do obviously miss each other when we're away, um, and so it makes me want to come home and 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 organize cool things to do with him rather than, you know, staying in and getting it stuck into a, a routine. I guess yeah. it makes. Yeah, it makes us appreciate the time at home even more, I think. Yeah. Some of my friends and family say to me, like, oh, it's Ben okay with you going away? Is he okay? And I'm, I'm just like, well, yeah, he is. And also, I'm going to work. Like, we're travel bloggers, so we need to travel. I don't mind when he goes to work. Yeah. Nine to five every day. I feel like I'm fine with it, and obviously you and Justin are fine with it, and Ben's fine with it, but I feel like some other people... Don't get it. Don't get it, yeah, and they don't get why you want to go away, or why you would want to go and be by yourself when you could be at home with them. But it's funny, isn't it, because, uh, you know, not to, to, you know, to go down a, a feminist route or anything, but do people ask, you know, the same question of men when, yeah. you know, men are travelling for work or going to conferences? Like, Justin does travel a lot for work, and I don't think anyone's ever said to him... No, it's weird, isn't it? ...how does Jane feel about, you know, being, yeah, left behind, or I can't believe you go, go away on your own so much, so... Yeah, there's definitely a little bit of double standards there. Yeah. Maybe it's just because it's slightly less common when the, when the the woman does it, but I don't I don't see any difference. It, mm. it works the same way. 
So you've been working successfully as a travel blogger for, well, full-time travel blogger for five years now, is it? Yes, five or six, I think. And now you're going to have a new member of your family. Mm, yes. How do you think the arrival is going to change things, or are you just going to wait and see? To be entirely honest, I don't know, because I've never done this before. Yeah. So <laughs> I, with all the best intentions and plans in the world, until this little human arrives in our life, it's all speculation. Yeah. Um, for me, you know... Travel is such an important part of my life and my career that I I really wholeheartedly just want to embrace it and make it a part of you know my routine with my with my family and whether that you know means I have to adapt my travel style slightly um, maybe look closer to home do more sort of staycations and European breaks than long haul breaks so be it but um, I I see myself first and foremost as as a, as a travel blogger um and it will be about how i integrate my new role mm. as a parent with that with that job um that will be an interesting <laughs> just to see how it how it unfolds yeah i think i heard this maybe on tv once but they were talking about having a new baby and they said the baby's coming to join our life we're not going to join the baby's life yeah and i was like yeah the baby can, I mean, I don't know. I'm not pregnant. I've never no, had a child. I know. And it I, looks, I, I'm, very it looks con- I'm very conscious of saying things and I will have to eat my words <laughs> yeah. in just two months' time because two months. the baby is going to come weeks. and yeah, come and take over all of this. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm excited to the new, to a new challenge. You know, for, for many years I have been travelling on my own or, with, or, you know, with my partner and haven't had to, you know, to think very unselfishly or very pra- very practically so I'm, I'm excited to to um to sort of embrace a new challenge where I work out how to travel with a small human yeah um to uh, you know in, when 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 they're a bit older to, to share place some of my favorite places um uh, with our offspring so your baby has already been to many countries yeah eight, I counted 18 flights oh my gosh like not to go like overshared too much but I think also conceived <laughs> shared already somewhere in Asia um, <laughs> so yeah conceived on a different continent um and then traveled to many <laughs> lived also as uh, yeah whilst in the womb has lived in Australia and the UK yeah. um been on a booze-free break to Vegas um, we had the cruise as well, so that was like six Been on a cruise, been to Russia, been on a cruise, uh, been to a Mariah Carey concert. Like. <laughs> God, peaked already, it's been, not even out. Been to Bruno Mars. Like, um, yeah, it's quite a well-travelled little Peaches bun in the oven. Good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's had a good life so far. So I thought I'd start the training early. Yeah, so where, where would you like to take them on this first holiday? I'm thinking Greece. And That's I'm, where you went for your baby moon. Yeah, and I'm half laughing when I say it because my mum goes to Greece like two or three times a year and there's a saying in our family because she tries to visit other places and she goes abroad and says, oh, it's lovely but not as good as Greece. Um, and I feel like I'm turning into her, but I just think it would be so easy. I love Greece. Well, not easy, but like I know it, I love it, I love the She goes to Samos. Yes. 
I will. I'll read your post and go to Samos. My new favourite island. I love. I love the. Yeah, I love the Greek people, the cuisine, the weather. So I think we can dip our toe in, um, with a little Greek break. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah. Just to warm up. Just to practice yeah. flying with a baby. Well, thank you so much for being my first <laughs> guest. Um, I feel like your travel life has been so interesting that we probably could go on. You could write a book. I feel like I needed to like swat up because I've totally forgotten like my own life. So <laughs> I feel like I need to go it's back and add in dates. Yeah, I'm like, what job did? I- oh yeah, I did do that job. I did so do everything that we discussed is like over seven the last seven years, right? That's yeah, eight years. Yeah, so I, yeah, I started working in 2010, and then yeah, from then on. So you mentioned your old blog, 40 Before 30, but what's your new blog and where can everyone find you? Oh, well, not new, yeah. rebranded. Yeah, new as of five years ago. <laughs> yeah. um, I blog, blog under the title Girl Tweets World um, and you can find me on social media at Jamie Travels and come say hi. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Bye. Oh, Jane, she never fails to make me laugh. Got to appreciate and admire her honesty there. Wonder if she'll regret telling us where Mars was conceived. Probably not. One of the many reasons to love and follow Jane is for her candidness. I really enjoyed interviewing Jane and learning more about her. If you have any questions for her, just get in touch at Janie Travels on Twitter and Instagram, and that's Jane with a Y, Janie Travels. And don't forget to use the hashtag SoSheTravels so I can listen in too. Thanks so much for listening to my first show. There'll be more for you soon. And if you have any suggestions for feisty female travellers you'd like to hear interviewed on Social Travels, let me know. I'm on all the social medias at Vicky Fedflop.